Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Brian Crombie Radio Hour on Saga 960. My guest tonight is Dan Donovan. He is the publisher and editor of Ottawa Life magazine, uh, and they've just recently uh, come out with a new issue, uh, and his cover story is all about the conservative leadership, and uh, he also talks a little bit about the War Measures Act. So we're going to talk about both topics today, the conservative leadership and the War Measures Act and the hearings that are going on in Ottawa right now. Uh, Dan, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Never better. Thanks for having me back, Brian. I always love uh, chatting with you and being on your show. Miss you in Ottawa. You know, uh, it was always good to see you in person when you were here. Well, you were kind enough to invite me to a bunch of fun events and it was great to see you. So this um, this cover story on the conservative leadership, 6,000 words, that's a, a very hefty uh, investment, very both hefty. in time and space for you. Yeah, it's. Um, I encourage people to read it. I think it's um, it's a very informative story. And it's, uh, it's, it's basically the subtitle of the story is uh, The Existential Crisis in the Conservative Party of Canada. And uh, after that, the question is, you know, do the Conservatives want to be right or do they want to win? And, it's, and, and we go from there and uh, the, we look at all of the candidates. Of course, the two front runners are um, Pierre Poiliev, who's actually from the Ottawa area, uh, you know, raised out west, but has been the MP in uh, in the uh, the Ottawa riding of Carleton for the last 19 years, and of course uh, Jean Charest, the former Conservative minister under the government of Brian Mulroney, uh, the former Premier of Quebec, the former Captain Canada guy that really, in my in my view, you know, really saved the country back in '97 during the referendum. Um, then you've got, uh, you know, uh, another you know, Patrick Brown, who's the mayor of Brampton, uh, running um, Roman Baber, who is, uh, was a fellow who is sort of a one trick pony guy, interesting guy, but uh, all about the COVID thing. And he was an anti-masker guy and booted out of Doug Ford's uh, caucus in Ontario. Um, but uh, again, a thoughtful, smart guy, uh, uh, Leslyn Lewis, uh, lawyer. Um, she ran in the last uh, leadership for the Conservatives, uh, placed third. Um, then she ran for Parliament. She got elected to Parliament. Again, a little wacky. I think she's a little wacky, kind of like, uh, you know, you can't control that. But I mean, uh, she's had, said some pretty kind of, you know, wacky things in this leadership race. Um, Scott Aitchison is an interesting uh, candidate. He was a former mayor of Huntsville. He represents the Muskokas up in Bala, over in the Bala, you know, the Bala area, the Muskokas, and that that whole sort of Muskoka thing. Very um, smart guy, reasonable guy, conservative guy. Uh, his drawback is he doesn't speak French, but uh, sort of, uh, you know, listening to him. Um, you know, makes you think that there's some serious people, adults in the room kind of thing. And um, so it's an interesting, it's an interesting race. The problem with the conservatives, though, is they have to decide, do they hate themselves more than they hate the liberals or not? You know, that's the problem. The infighting um, and this is between uh, Jean Charest and uh, Pierre Polyev and, and also a little bit uh, Patrick Brown is really intense and surprisingly intense. Well, you know, for me, in writing this piece, um, I found it challenging, and I'll tell you why, because uh, I see my role as to try to uh, present a narrative that's uh, balanced and factual uh, and some perspective and, and try to, you know, show readers what the offerings are 
And um, you're absolutely right, Brian, when you say it's, it's, I mean, this thing got nasty very quickly. The stakes are very high, not only for the Conservative Party of Canada, but for, um, for Canadians, because I think there, personally, my observation is that there is such dissatisfaction with the, the Trudeau Liberal brand that they, they could be in danger of a meltdown like Kathleen Wynne had. I could see them being completely demolished if the appropriate um, uh, counter uh, group is, is put in front of the public in the next election. The problem with the Tories is, um, you know, Mr. Poiliev, who by all means, there's no doubt about it, this is a very highly intelligent, uh, smart uh, MP, a person, uh, I would say probably the best performer in the House of Commons in terms of question period and in terms of giving speeches. He, um, so he's got, he's got some real positive attributes in, in my view. The challenge that he has is he also, he has a big edge. And I don't mean an edge in the race. I mean an edge like elbows. He's got big elbows. And, you know, sometimes they say in politics, you got to like, you got to cool it a bit and, and have and get your edge down, you know, um, and stop high sticking all the time. And he's he has a propensity to do that. And I call it, a, you know, sometimes it's more like a carpet bombs, carpet bombing approach to issues and to uh, candidates. And, and, and I think what's going to be decided in this race is, is that what people want? Or do they want more of what? Uh, Mr. Sheree is offering, which is a more uh, moderate approach, I would say a more traditional um, conservative approach, uh, a softer approach, an approach more in the middle. Um, and, and the reason for that is uh, because I think that's where many people think most Canadians are. I, I've always said myself that Canadians live in the middle. You know, they tend to be more fiscally conservative and on social issues, they, they tend to be um, a, a little more, I would say, progressive. Now, the problem is in this race, right from the get-go, uh, Mr. Polyev um, went on the attack to Mr. Charest and basically accused both him and Patrick Brown, who, by the way, Patrick Brown used to be an MP in the Stephen Harper government as well. You know, and then he was the leader of the of the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario, as you'll recall, before he was. Uh, he was forced out of office with these accusations uh, made by CTV that they were then forced to to retract uh, these uh, what he would say are false allegations um, that forced him to leave. Uh, and then, of course, we know Doug Ford took over and, and we know how that story ended. So um, but Mr. Poliev, right at the get go, attacked uh, seriously and aggressively attacked Mr. Charest and, and, and Mr. Brown and suggested that they weren't real conservatives. In fact, suggested that Mr. Charest was a liberal. Oh my God. So, uh, so that was a problem. And, and of course, Mr. Charest is not a liberal. He was a liberal premier of Quebec, but as you know, and I'm sure a lot of your, your listeners will know, there is no conservative party in Quebec at the provincial level. Wasn't, so there is now, but there wasn't. There, correct, yeah, the CAC now, but prior to Legault getting in with the, this new party, which is essentially, you know, a conservative party philosophically. But up until that point, and back when Mr. Charest was a premier in Quebec, there were separatists and there were federalists provincially. 
And if you were a federalist or you, you believe in Canada, you ran for the Liberals. Mr. Charest won for the Liberals. He was a premier for almost a decade. He has an excellent record as premier, both on his uh, fiscal policy side and in terms of uh, other achievements he made. Uh, and he left office uh, with the government with an $8 billion surplus. So so this idea that, um, so Mr. Charest went at him right away and said, oh yes, and he had a carbon tax in Quebec. The, the, the challenge uh, for Mr. Kualiev is that Charest's carbon tax in Quebec actually worked. So Charest's not backing down from saying he you know, he'll have a carbon tax uh, federally if he's elected, but it won't be the Trudeau sort of joke of a tax where all the revenues, uh, where we're taxing everybody and all the revenues are going into general into the general revenue pot and not to climate change. And uh, this is just being money being spent on everything. You know, so it's, it's an issue say, that um, a lot of people don't understand. So I think uh, that, uh, you know, Polyev's uh, um, allegation actually resonated with some people, particularly people that don't understand Quebec politics. And so I think you're quite correct to, uh, to, to mention and reiterate, and we have to on several occasions, that there was not a conservative party and the liberal party in Quebec really was an amalgamation of liberals and conservatives. And I gotta tell you my own experience with that. I was president of a liberal riding association provincially in West Vancouver. And that was a conservative, a progressive conservative, but that was a conservative party. Um, for the same reason, there was not a progressive conservative or conservative party in British Columbia. And so I have lived how the liberal party in British Columbia could and was a amalgam of, uh, of conservatives and liberals. Um, uh, the social credit, uh, which uh, was in existence, was uh, a little bit of the Conservative Party, if not, frankly, more like the Reform Party. But I think that a lot of people in Canada and a lot of people that, uh, that aren't political insiders don't realize that Jean Charest, while being premier of the Quebec Liberal Party, leader of the Quebec Liberal Party, really was um, premier of a party that was an amalgam of uh, both the Conservative and Liberal parties in Quebec. Anyway, we're going to take a break. Uh, for some messages and be back in two minutes with Dan Donovan, the publisher and editor of Ottawa Life Magazine, talking a little bit about his cover story this uh, week on the conservative leadership. Stay with us, everybody. Welcome back, everyone, to the Brian Crombie Radio Hour on Saga 960. My guest tonight is Dan Donovan, who is the publisher and editor of Ottawa Life Magazine. His cover story this week is on uh, the conservative leadership campaign. Uh, is, it's really quite a great cover. I, uh, I'm looking forward to getting my actual print copy, Dan, because it's an illustration of all the candidates sitting around a table and it looks like quite uh, the milieu that is, uh, is going on. Um, so we were just talking about the criticism that, uh, that uh, Pierre Polyev uh, labeled uh, uh, um, on Jean Charest, uh, that he was not a true conservative given that he was uh, a liberal premier in Quebec and, and that that wasn't true because he was really a progressive conservative and um, a liberal premier of uh, Quebec since there wasn't a conservative party. But then Jean Charest countered and said that uh, Pierre Polyev wasn't um, qualified, I think was the word, to be leader of, uh, of, of a government that had to institute law and order if he wouldn't stand up for law and order himself and that clearly he didn't when he was the supporter of the truck convoy. What did you think of that? Was a, a pretty impassioned, uh, um, you know, rally back, uh, volley back that uh, that uh, Jean Charest made. Well, uh, I think it shows the gloves came off early. That that happened in the very first debate in early May, 
and and uh, just as a precursor to that, I think your analogy about British Columbia is uh, bang on. It's 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 a perfect analogy, and in fact, it's an analogy Jean Charest himself has used when explaining to you know to people with a short memory or other people that may not understand this that like in British Columbia, you know, there wasn't a party there for the Progressive Conservatives, so people were running the Liberal banner the same in Quebec, and uh, and then he took great homage to some of. Uh, uh, Polyev's remarks and, and pointed out to, to Pierre Polyev, put it like right away and said, listen, enough with that. I'm a conservative. I don't need you telling me what a conservative is. I'm sort of paraphrasing this. And he said, um, and he said, you know, the, the problem here is you're a legislator. And as a legislator, as a parliamentarian, you make laws and, and that's, that's your job. So you can't uh, make laws and break laws at the same time. You got to make a choice. And he, he was making the point to Polyev that that's what leadership is about. And what he was referring to, of course, uh, was the the uh, fact that during the lockdown in Ottawa, the, the truckers' protest in Ottawa, that Pierre Polyev, uh, who's who's from an Ottawa riding, and and not, like I guarantee you, like ninety percent of the city here were against this lockdown, but uh, Mr. Polyev. Uh, met with the truckers and he supported them now uh, there are two important things about that the first thing is uh many people uh admired mr polyev for meeting with the truckers and you know i would say as as a person writing this story when i was re reflecting on it and you recall brian i mean right in the middle of that lockdown you and i did a, an interview on it and 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 just how you know, I was, I think at the time I was, we were talking about just what we were going through here in the city. So having had some hindsight now and, and stepping back from it and writing about it, um, I'm of two minds. I admire the fact that Mr. Pauly have met with these people. Okay. And I think, and I, and I think people that slam him for meeting with them, I think personally, I think they're wrong because it is the job of elected officials, including uh, MPs uh, to meet with people who have uh, a grudge or, or protesting. As, as we all know, one of the reasons this whole trucker thing went off the rails very quickly and, and turned the way it did was because our prime minister, uh, very, instead of meeting with them and just talking to them, just in one interview, just said they were all uh, racist, misogynists, and white nationalists. This coming from the guy, by the way, who's danced around in blackface three times, who fired the two smartest women in his cabinet, uh, one of them an indigenous woman, because she wouldn't go along when he was involved in, in corruption, which he's been sanctioned for by the ethics commissioner. So, so the point is, um, on a political level, like Trudeau just made things so much worse. Now, Polyev met with the truckers and he had some uh, em empathy or as they say en français, sympa with those truckers and, that, and that's fine. But, you know, there's a fine line between sort of meeting with someone and then coming out and supporting them uh, when, when they're breaking the law. And the problem uh, Mr. Polyev has is prior to COVID, and a lot of people forget about this, but you recall when the Wet'suwet'en out west uh, the, the indigenous group out west of Wet'suwet'en had a blockade going because uh, the BC government and the federal government were illegally trying to uh, do development on their land when they had a Supreme Court ruling in their favor and the RCMP were in there. So the Wet'suwet'en were pushing back. Um, 
And then indigenous groups across the country were blocking the rail tracks. I don't know if you remember this. Yep, it was like sure. in, um, you know, in, in early 2020, right before yep. the COVID thing. No, I did a show on tracks. that. Uh, I did a show on that issue with a uh, with an expert on indigenous uh, issues. Well, and so you'll know then. Here's the problem, Mr. Polyev has. During that very the, the very weeks that happened, Mr. Polyev uh, did some interviews where he was calling for the police to be brought in to move these indigenous people off the tracks and to, uh, you know, these the law is the law and they can't be breaking the law and they need to obey the law. So that's a bit like the, the pot calling the kettle black, you know, when, when just like a short time later in Ottawa, the truckers are there and all of a sudden he's okay with it. So that's the problem. That's the sort of square he has to fit in that circle. And I don't know that it fits. So that's his first problem. Um, when, when, um, but to his credit, he did meet with them. And then to be fair, to be fair, when the interim opposition leader, um, Candace Bernard called for, uh, the truckers to go home, uh, Mr. Polyev supported that. She said, look, it's enough time to go home. You made your point. Now, Charest's point is, uh, you know, Mr. Polyev, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't make laws and break laws. You need to decide either, either a legislator and you're conforming and obeying the laws or you're not. So this got very nasty very quickly. And then in the first debate, Charest was in a room where there seemed to be uh, a lot of Polyev support and he was getting some booze, but he just sort of looked them in the eye and he, and he took the gloves off and they sort of went at it. And, and, um, so it, it was very interesting. Um, right after that, he, 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 it appears that he and Patrick Brown don't have a lot of time for each other. I mean, I don't know what happened there, but they were in a caucus together. They don't seem to like each other on a personal level. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, Mr. Brown, I think, has had a, um, a good campaign in the sense that, you know, he's sort of, I would say on, on, on most of the issues, and we can go through them, whether it's COVID or gun control or or uh, the economy, the budget. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things we cover. He and Charest are pretty well in lockstep. So I would think that they would be natural allies. Then you've got this uh, Roman Baber guy who let's, is let's, like let's, I said, I would say- Let's one... wait for a second if I could. I apologize for interrupting. Let's come back to Patrick Brown. So it, it would appear to me that, uh, that he has um, really staked out a progressive conservative um, policy position while uh, Polyev is a is a reform alliance, a very right wing um, kind of uh, of conservative uh, uh, position. And um, and, and uh, you know, the, the feedback I get from people is that Polyev is attracting a lot of the people that supported the truckers uh, convoy and the uh, and the uh, the protests in Ottawa. Um, a, a lot of people that are very vocal uh, anti maskers, anti vaxxers, um, you know, against uh, the Trudeau government, uh, etc. And and Patrick Brown has done the same thing as he did when he ran for the Progressive Conservative leadership in Ontario. He's really gone for ethnic votes. Uh, he's gone for the suburban votes. It's almost as if it's a Progressive Conservative suburban campaign against a Western um, Reform Alliance campaign. What do you think of that? Well, you know, um, I know I know that that's um, a narrative that um, is out there makes sense. I don't know that I'm I'm not, I'm not sure I bought into that yet, and I'll tell you why. I don't think that 
Mr. Polyev is just getting those voters um, that I think he's getting, you know, the voters that are more on the sort of conservative right of the party. He's getting, um, he's he's definitely getting those people. I think I think if Polyev gets it, it's going to be a problem for uh, the People's Party of Canada. I think you're going to see their demise. Yeah. Um, but I also think there are people in the Conservative Party that um, are not like sort of on the far right of the Conservative Party that also like Polyev. Uh, and I think they like him because uh, he's a good debater and he, hold, he, he, he's, he holds government to account. And I think he's very effective and I think they like him. They like the fact that he can articulate what they think in terms of um, what they feel wrongs with the Trudeau government. But I also think it's still a problem that he's got such an edge. And I think the bigger problem is this. Jean Charest uh, is, I think, popular with a lot of older conservatives. And I think he's popular with um, people who have been in the party for many years. Um, but as you know, and th this is quite incredible, and this is why I think the Trudeau liberals are in big trouble. They have signed up 600 thousand new members 600,000 that's incredible and what it tells me is there is a high high degree of voter dissatisfaction with the current liberal government and as we know most times governments aren't voted in they're voted out and I think that um, if you know in the last election two elections uh you know, Andrew Shear in 2019 and Aaron O'Toole in 2021, they pretty well ended this in the same place, you know, within a seat or two. They, they didn't make an impact. But they, the, the Liberals never made an impact as well. And they're only in right now uh, because of this deal with Jagmeet Singh. They're, they're operating like they have a, a majority government when they're, they have less than 30% of the, the vote. Um, and they're not popular, and they're only they're operating like a majority government because Jagmeet Singh. Uh, it doesn't matter what it seems to matter what Trudeau does, what what uh, corruption. Uh, you know, I mean, think about it, Brian. The NDP, the great NDP party, the the, the you know, um, the party of of um, in more recent times, uh, Jack Layton and Tom Mulcair, Tommy Douglas, the party of Tommy Douglas the party that stood up for civil rights for Canadians. I mean, this guy, and I'm talking about Jagmeet Singh and, and, and the, these, I don't know, I don't know what you call them, these tools around him. They just in lockstep imposed basically martial law and emergencies measures act here without, without even talking about it. Uh, it, it's one of the worst grievances in, in, in this country's history in recent time. And, and I think they did it, you know, just so they could continue to stay in power. And it's just awful. And, and now that they've signed this agreement with the liberals to keep them in power, they're, they're stuck to that. So I think the liberals and the NDP have sort of become this one big blob of gob. And I don't know that they're going to be able to separate themselves because and people aren't the people see Trudeau and Singh is the same they in fact Trudeau's gone even more left than Singh so that presents opportunities for the conservatives but they need to go to the center that's my and they're, and they're not doing they that have to go to the center 
So, you know, I want to take a break for some messages and come back and ask you about some of these policies that Pierre Polyev is uh, is uh, been talking about firing the, the governor of the Bank of Canada, uh, you know, invest in cryptocurrencies as a hedge against inflation. You know, it, it almost some people have been describing as as wacky. Uh, anyway, we're going to take a break and come back more with Dan Donovan, the publisher and editor of Ottawa Life, talking about the conservative leadership campaign in just two minutes. Stay with us, everybody. Welcome back, everyone, to the Brian Crombie Radio Hour on Saga 960. I'm having a great time uh, listening to Dan Donovan uh, um, chat about uh, about the War Measures Act, um, uh, martial law, you called it. Uh, we're going to have to talk about that in greater detail because that's kind of interesting. And you've obviously been uh, following in detail some of the hearings that are going on right now in Ottawa. But, um, you know, let's come back to Pierre Polyev and his positions um, and where the Conservative Party is and, and your, your comment about whether they're going to go right or try to win. Uh, it almost seems like it's a mini Trump to me. Um, it is, you know, Trump on the stage during those uh, debates in the Republican Party would call people the most awful nicknames and label them and, and you know, talk about, you know, your comment about edges and elbows. That's what Trump did, insulting people. And, uh, and Polyev seems to have learned that. Um, you know, populism is what it would appear Polyev is, is, is certainly exploiting. Um, his comments about, uh, about firing the Bank of Canada, that uh, the, the World Economic Forum is potentially trying to, you know, take us uh, over or influence, uh, um, you know, governance in Canada. His comments about cryptocurrency, where he was uh, smoking hashish, or not, maybe not a, a hookah, maybe, uh, and uh, and and uh, talking about uh, about uh, Bitcoin. Some people have described it as almost wacky policies. Uh, certainly, uh, he's been appealing to a fringe right wing, uh, and you know, you talk about these six hundred thousand people have joined the party, and and it it does appear to be a, a huge number of additional people. But, you know, a lot of people I talk to say that it is the PCP, it is the trucker convoy, it is the people that are uh, anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers that have joined the party amass, going to his rallies, taking out memberships, and, um, and, and supporting him because he was supportive of the truck convoy. So you don't think it's, it's a, a wing that is just too right to be successful? Uh, no, and I'll tell you why. And I and I actually uh, I have heard the Trump comparisons before. I also don't agree with those, and I'll tell you why. First of all, let's deal with the uh, People's Party of Canada. This idea that there's all these people signing up. First of all, the People's Party of Canada got 250,000 votes in the last election. Okay, 250,000 people voted for the PPC. Now, um, the Conservatives have signed up six. 100,000 people for their party leadership. So um, that that is not just the People's Party of Canada. That's something else. Now, the Trump thing, I, I, I also, um, this it's interesting you raise it. I think it's a very cogent point to raise, Brian, because that is out there as well. I've heard that from, from different people, um, both in the street, uh, not so much in the street, just more, more actually from other media people. I think the analogy is off, and I'll tell you why. Um, Polyev has said, like, let's take the, the bank of the governor of Canada. Like, I think he was he was off when he said that. I think it was, it's wrong. Um, the, the bank of the governor, the governor of the bank of Canada is an independent role. It has to be. 
Uh, his claim is that the, the government was in locks, the bank was in lockstep with the government and printing all this money. I mean, we do have a trillion dollar debt that is of concern. I think it's appropriate to raise these issues when we have a trillion dollar debt and when we have a liberal government, the government of Justin Trudeau has spent more money in the last six years than all Canadian governments combined since Confederation. That's a fact. We have more debt than we've ever had in our history and we are, we're closing in at a trillion dollars debt. And it's a, I, I made up the number wrong, it's around $12,000 per person in this country in debt. So the, Polyev was a finance critic. You know, he was a shadow finance critic. Uh, then O'Toole dropped him, but that was not a popular move in the party. It's part of the reason O'Toole got into problems. So the, the matter of Pierre Polyev questioning the Bank of Canada, I don't have, you know, I don't have an issue with that. But again, it goes back to what I said earlier about his edge. He's sort of, yeah, it's okay to question this because, geez, look at the money we're printing in the debt. But do you have to punch him in the face? Can't you just be nice? Do you have to go and like but, punch but, him but in Dan, the face? Dan, we did go through two years of a pandemic and governments around the world were printing money and, and uh, stimulating uh, the uh, the you know the the, the economies and uh, and sending out checks and if you you know I don't know the statistic but if you take a look at what happened in the United States if you take a look at what happened in Europe I bet you we have very similar kinds of situations with lots of uh, printing of money and uh, lots of uh, of uh, you know payments to individuals uh, to uh, to help us through the the pandemic and frankly the Progressive Conservative Party in Ontario did the same thing such that we have incredible debt in Ontario. And, uh, and the last budget that they presented was, was a left-wing uh, budget. Well, uh, I don't think people have a problem with the sort of Keynesian economic theory and that thing they, uh, they say en français, you know, digging holes, creating opportunity, uh, creating work during a, a downturn. The fact is, and I cover this in the article, uh, when, when Justin Trudeau got elected in 2015, uh, he, was, he was elected with the best financial record in the G7. Now, even after COVID, with all the other countries going through the same thing, we have the worst record. Okay, we have the worst debt. And it's very troubling when you look at the debt ratio for our population and the situation we're in. In fact, in this story, I quoted Frank Stronach, the, you know, Frank uh, Magna International, one of the great industrialists of, of Canadian industry in the last half century. And Stronach himself is saying, you know, we, he's calling for the government to pass a law that they can't be spending more than they're taking in right now because we're, we're at risk of going the way Greece went. That I mean, th this is serious stuff. So, the, and then there's a concern. They don't seem to have a concern about, and this is what the Conservatives got into in the race, balanced budgets. Are balanced budgets important? Is it important to get back to balance? And we're not, you know, the, 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 the Liberal government of Justin Trudeau and Christian Freeland Christian Freeland have no plans to get back to a balanced budget for decades. And right now we have a real serious problem with like everywhere with, you know, inflation. That's not just domestic, that's global. But, you know, we have a government here and this is, these are things that the Tories are talking about, has shut down our energy sector, has shut down our pipelines. We, we import oil, 800,000 barrels of oil a day. Why are we importing oil? from Middle Eastern countries like Saudi Arabia to, 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 to fuel Atlantic Canada when we could be self-sufficient here. So there's a whole lot of issues that, that the Tories are raising. Pardon? 
It's because Quebec turned down a pipeline, isn't it? Well, this is the issue. I mean, uh, the, the Conservatives, Jean Charest, has, has come out and said that he's going to build pipelines. Uh, the, but again, the, the, the problem is, on the, on the, I, I suppose on the pipeline side, there's been there's no, no advocate for pipelines uh, for us to get our energy to the markets in the last six years. And, um, you know, the, the, we haven't improved at all. We haven't met any of the Paris climate targets. We haven't met any of the climate targets that the Trudeau government has set. Um, the carbon tax that he imposed on Canadians is not going towards climate change. It's going into general revenues and it's being spent on a whole lot of other things. Uh, so this is, these are the things the Tories have been discussing. And so to, to get back to the, you know, the point you raised, which I think is a legitimate one about the Polyev's approach to, there's no issue with someone questioning the Bank of Canada. I think that's fair, fair enough, but it, it crosses a line when you say you're going to, you know, you're going to get in, you're going to fire um, the governor of the Bank of Canada. Well, here's the problem with that. On the one hand, you're talking about freedom and you're talking about democracy and you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, people having the right to, you know, free speech and, and democratic principles. But here's a clue. If you're looking at the prime minister, in our democracy, you don't get to fire the, the governor of the Bank of Canada. It's not a dictatorship. And I think this is what John Charest is pointing out to him. You don't get to say that. You don't get to do that. And just saying that affects markets. It affects bank. It affects it affects our confidence in our institutions. So this is where Charest, or sorry, where Pierre Polyev, he has a tendency to go too far. And I'll say one interesting thing, Brian. You know, um, Macaulay Gavin Solomon uh, was uh, doing a show uh, on, on you know, his, his weekly political show. And he had David Dodge on, the, the former governor of the Bank of Canada. And Mr. Dodge, I think is, gosh, he's got to be in his early 80s. I, you know, I think he is. Anyways, because um, I'm going back, like he was the, the, the governor of the bank, I don't know, 25, 30 years ago before Mark Kearney, a very respected person, highly respected. He's a person who worked with the Kretschmann government to, to get our debt under control and really created what a powerhouse for Canada in terms of our, our fiscal framework, okay? So Mr. Dodge, who I've never, ever, ever heard in all the time I've watched him over the years, say even a, a subtle swear word, never. He's the most distinguished guy I'll ever meet. He's on a national television show with Evan Solomon and you know, he Solomon brings up the point that Pierre Polyv has been sort of trashing the bank and saying that, you know, the bank doesn't know what they're doing and this and that. And David Dodge looked at him and said, that's bullshit on national TV. So that tells you the type of ire that Pierre Polyev has. And I think it's a it's a problem. Counter that to Jean Charest, who says, listen, uh, you know, we have to respect institutions. We have to get along. We have to work together. We have to have balanced budgets. We just, you know, so it's, it's a, I think it's not about substance between the two of them. It's more about style. I, I, but I disagree with you. I, because, and maybe it comes down to that you think there's a whole bunch of other people that have joined the Conservative Party and are supporting Polyev. But I think the base that he is attracting are the people that supported the trucker convoy. And, you know, there were, um, you know, 
15%, according to polls of the Canadian population supported the, the, the convoy. That's four and a half million people. So that the, the market uh, that you can uh, access is actually fairly wide um, and, uh, and, and loud. And they disagree with a lot of the institutions that, uh, that we have in Canada. They frankly wanted to you know, change uh, the government and take over effectively uh, um, and have the governor general and uh, some senators in them uh, run the government. Um, and I think there they are people that believe in cryptocurrency and they are people that don't believe in uh, the world uh, economic forum. And they are people that uh, think that uh, the governor of the Bank of Canada should be fired. And uh, and so they like that very antagonistic, very edgy kind of approach, that very Trumpianian insult, uh, insult uh, the people in the center and on the left. They like it. That's what they did in February in Ottawa. Well, I again, uh, we're gonna have to agree to disagree. Uh, I don't, I don't, I, I actually, your numbers and the way you articulate that make a lot of sense. But what I would say is this: I don't, um, I don't think that's mis all. Mr. Polyev has in his, uh, in his sort of uh, belt here. I think, um, you know, the the comparison to Trump, I think, is off. I think a better comparison uh, for Mr. Polyev would be Doug Ford. Uh, Doug Ford when he first ran for the leadership, and if you if you go back to that, um, a lot of regular folks, everyday people, um, just were tired of the establishment, were tired of being told what to do, were tired of the Kathleen Wynne government being involved in their lives and telling them how they should be acting morally and spiritually and uh, fiscally. And, and a whole lot of other things. And a lot of people were just very tired. This is the analogy I see. They were just very, very tired of Kathleen Wynne and her brand of liberalism. And Doug Ford came along. And I recall when Doug Ford was running for the leadership, a lot of mainstream media people, including the CBC, uh, were very dismissive of him. Uh, very, very dismissive of him. He's this right-wing Trump guy and this and that. And of course, you know, Doug Ford got in and he wasn't any of those things. And I, I think that for me, after going through this, I, I don't see, because I don't see, I mean, look, Polyev says some, you know, edgy things that I don't agree with. And I, like I, the, the Bank of the Governor can is one of the cryptocurrency thing is a little wacky. I couldn't agree with him more, um, you know, but that's not, he doesn't say things like Trump uh, that are um, dismissive of people that are misogynistic. He's actually on the indigenous file in this leadership. I've been surprised at how good he's been on that file. That was a surprise to me, just watching some of the things he's done and what he's saying. I'm thinking, okay, well, there's hope there. That's interesting. Um, so I think Polyev is more like a Ford kind of uh, candidate. I think the Trump thing is, is a misread. Having said that, Jean Charest is very appealing. And this is where I think the, the battle lines are going to be drawn because conservatives have to make a, a decision here. I mean, I'm of the view personally that if Jean, if Jean Charest won, won the leadership, I think that the liberals could be wiped out from coast to coast. I think that a Mr. Charest would pummel Mr. Trudeau. He would win Quebec. He would take the whole country and it would just be a wipeout. And, and you know, that's, I, that's just based on my looking at elections for the last uh, three or four decades and seeing what's, what's happened. Um, if, if, um, if he doesn't win it, um, it's gonna be harder for the conservatives because then they're gonna have to pivot. They are gonna have to pivot. And the numbers in the last two elections show 
that you need to pivot to the center. And um, it's just not happening if you go right. There's not enough votes there. But that's what they're doing. They're going right now. And uh, they got rid of Aaron O'Toole because he pivoted to the center. And uh, and even though he did better than uh, Andrew Shearer, and even though he won the popular vote because he didn't increase the seat count and he didn't win suburban Toronto when suburban Vancouver, they punted him. So, you know, I just, I don't, I don't see what's going to happen. Anyway, we're going to take a break uh, for some final messages and come back with some concluding comments from Dan Donovan in just a minute. Stay with us, everybody. Welcome back to the Brian Crumby Radio Hour on Saginaw 60. What a fascinating conversation we're having with Dan Donovan, the publisher and editor of Ottawa Life Magazine. His cover story this week is on the conservative leadership campaign. And uh, we've had an interesting discussion of Pierre Polyev versus Jean Charest and a little bit about Patrick Brown. Maybe we could uh, just talk about sort of the, the way that these leadership conventions work. And it's not a delegated convention, so you can't control it. But, but I think that... Uh, in the last election, it was really Leslie Ann Lewis that uh, put uh, Erin O'Toole over the top because of uh, of her bringing all of her her, her people in that uh, subsequent ballot uh, to Erin O'Toole. Don't you think it's going to be Leslie Ann Lewis, Roman Babber going to Pierre Polyev and um, Patrick Brown and Scott Atchison going to Chade? And how does that play out? Uh, because if Leslie Ann Lewis came in third last time, she could easily come in third this time um, or fourth if Patrick Brown does well. Um, and, and, you know, most of the people I talk to say that, that uh, Pierre Polyev is either going to win on the first ballot or more than likely is going to be damn close and win it on the second ballot with people coming to him. What do you think? I think that's very accurate analysis. Uh, that's, that's what I'm, you know, just looking at the 600,000 and the numbers, um, I think Leslie Lewis has not performed well in this leadership uh, compared to the last time. I think she went down the road. She went down the right wing road and she went down the one trick pony road like uh, Roman Baber. Like she's she's a pro-life candidate. Um, and then she's gone at Polyev a bit. Um, you didn't trying go to get her bona fide. See the uh, truckers often enough or soon enough. You didn't go out with them. I did. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't see, you know, she was trying, like, the, the truckers aren't going to be in favor of Leslie Lewis over Polyev. But but I, again, I, I go back to what I said earlier. I, I think the trucker stuff in this is overstated. I don't think they're as big as, uh, you know, people are calling them the trucker vote and all this. I don't, I don't see it that way. I think there's something else going on. Um, I think that's a small part of it. But I, having said that, I don't think Leslie Lewis is in this race. I think she's been a one-trick pony. I don't think she's done a great job compared to the last time. I think Patrick Brown is, is going to do better than her, but I think you're very accurate. Um, the the Polyev people, a lot of people are saying that, you know, Polyev will win it in the first ballot. And, and that's going to come down to the veracity of these numbers, uh, the 600,000, how many they signed up. Um, so it'll be interesting. If, if Polyev doesn't get it on the first ballot, then I think uh, it's in play. And, and there'll be deals that could be done. Um, but um, if, if, he, if he doesn't get on the first ballot, we could have a race. Um, and I see that going to Charest. Although, you know, the, the, the sort of arbiter here is that Patrick Brown is good at signing up members. He's got a track record of doing that. So what happens if 
he finishes in second place, you know? And I actually don't think that, I think for me, like um, he's sort of a beige candidate. I don't see any real presence with him. I don't see any, you know, he's like another Aaron O'Toole to me. Like he's just a guy and he's nothing exciting. And it's sort of like beige, you know, let's paint the, let's paint the dining room beige. You know, it's not, you're not going to get up and get excited about that. You know what I'm saying? So, so for my mind, I think the Tories need to excite the population. They need to provide a serious alternative. I, you know, I think that, um, that Sheree could win the country. Um, Polyev can win the party. Um, but can Sheree win the party? And that's the issue. And then if Polyev does win, I think it's a mistake to suggest that he would be um, a Trump type candidate. He's going to be more like a Doug Ford candidate if he wins. Um, but if he doesn't lose the edge, I think, you know, I, one of the things I say in this article, Brian, is I remind Canadians in this uh, and the readers in this article, you know, the thing that destroyed and this is the irony. The conservatives love to talk about Canadian history and their history, and there's part of their country and part of their history. Well, hey, here's a clue. Take a look in the mirror at your own history in the last 30 years. In 1993, the Conservative Party of Canada, Brian Mulroney, uh, transferred the leadership to Kim Campbell. Going into the election, they had 168 seats. They ran ads making fun, nasty ads making fun of Jean Chrétien's facial palsy disability, which, which, to this day, I can't get over that. No one said, hey, don't do that. That's like really stupid. It's not good to make fun of people with a disability. They thought it was funny. They went from 168 seats to two seats. Two seats. Wipeout. Like the Kathleen Wynne wipeout when they went to like a party the size of a van, okay? Josh Chaudet, and who was the second one? Elsie uh, Wayne from New Brunswick. Jean right. Chaudet was the only person who survived the gong show. And he distanced himself from it, Okay. And he would have been the leader had he not been betrayed by a guy out at the convention in Calgary. He would have won that leadership, but that's a whole other story. But the point is this, Elsie Wayne actually got newly elected as a conservative out in New Brunswick because, you know, I don't know that, what was going on in the water out there, but she was a great MP anyways. 168 seats to two seats. Stephen Harper, you know, Peter McKay, Stephen Harper, Preston Manning, a bunch of people took, it took a lot of time, 10 years to rebuild their credibility for they could govern again. But so that was in what, 2003, four, five, six, right? Harper gets in. He governs for almost a decade. What kills him? What kills him in the last election? You know what killed him? A dead boy on a beach. A dead boy on a beach. A Syrian, a, a, a little Syrian boy died on the beach. And the Tories came across like they were a bunch of unsympathetic pricks, you know, at that very moment. And I think that's when Canadians said, yeah, enough of you guys. They need to be nice. And nice will win. Nice and serious. But if you're nice and if, Sun, if you're nasty, ways? it's a problem. Sunny ways? Is that the way to win? No. No, I think I think people see the hypocrisy. Of, I think Trudeau can be, I think that everything's in place for that guy to get wiped out with the right campaign against him. But it just hasn't, uh, you know, been put together yet. So I think that, but I don't uh, think sunny ways. I don't think people are in the sunny ways mood anymore. That was a big fraud. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I don't think people are in the sunny ways, and I do agree with you that uh, Justin Trudeau and his uh, his government have moved to the left, even potentially to the left of uh, the NDP. Uh, and I think their budgets lately uh, and policies and pharmacare and things like that uh, potentially uh, take them that way. I had a uh, um, chief economist with a major think tank in Ottawa come and say, you know what? If uh, they institute pharmacare. 
uh, we're going to be the peso crisis all over again. Uh, uh, it's that unsustainable from a financial standpoint. So, uh, you know, I think that's a big risk. I do think, however, that Pierre Polyev will increase their vote in the base, but won't attract enough people in suburban Canada to win. So I do think that a Polyev uh, candidate uh, will potentially win the liberal, sorry, the conservative leadership, but uh, won't win the country. Um, so we'll be back into a minority government and it'll be interesting to see what happens. Anyway, fascinating conversation with Dan Donovan, the editor and publisher of Ottawa Life. Got to grab his issue this week that talks in 6,000 words about uh, the conservative uh, leadership campaign. Uh, Dan, we got to have you back and talk about the War Measures Act and probably have you back and talk about your perception of uh, what's gone wrong with uh, the, the Liberal Party and the Justin Trudeau branded Liberal Party, the way you describe it of late. Thank you for joining us. That's my show for tonight, everybody. I'm on every Monday through Friday at six o'clock on 960 AM. You can stream me online, even from Ottawa, Dan, at www.saga960am.ca. All my podcasts and videocasts are on my website, briancrombie.com. Good night, everybody.